the Born Offside podcast. England are coming home. Portugal have gone home. France are still here. Something is not right here. But well. Let's get on with this shit. Welcome to episode 26 of the Born Offside World Cup coverage 2018. Hello, and uh, yes, uh, half a century of waiting for England to be in its only, only its second uh, World Cup final will sadly have to continue. The wait will have to continue. Uh, England are out of the World Cup after going down 2-1 to Croatia in what was, well, what was a tense, tight and tough affair uh, pretty much for everybody. The dream is over, the wait goes on, but the future is bright. And although this is quite a hard time to talk about it, uh, personally, uh, we'll uh, try our very best uh, to look at all aspects of last night's match, what went wrong, how England now must move forward. Uh, so forgive us if this podcast is not the chirpiest of podcasts, but uh, uh, first and foremost, credit to Dave, who traipsed across the huge city that is Seoul at 3, a- 3 a.m. Uh, to see the match. Uh, Dave, you're here, obviously not happy, but you're here, so that's great. Um, so, first of all, uh, just uh, in, in a few words, your feelings about the England team and everything that's happened uh, during this tournament, Dave. Mate, no, I can't do a few words. I've got a lot of words. And they're going <laughs> to come out in a probably random order. Uh, and I'm going to do my best. And it's your job to, to keep me making sense. The first thing is I have the confession <laughs> to make that I fell asleep and so didn't wake up in time to get to the bar, woke up at five to three um, and had to watch the game at home. Um, So uh, in my own small way, I need to apologize to the world because obviously uh, my own superstition and the placement of myself, I mean, I am quite a mass and for my mass not to be in the position that it was supposed to be in, obviously affected various (laughs) things uh, across the world. It is indeed to a degree my fault. Uh, I apologize to the world. I'm very sorry about it. But I did put on my English shirt and watch it in my pants and my English shirt in the front room at 3am. I did wake up my entire missus's family and they did watch it with me. Um, I did get very upset at the Korean commentators not knowing which one was Kyrian Trippier and which one was Ashley Young. Um, <laughs> but these, these things happen. But also, I also find when you're not really paying too much attention to the, the commentators, I think you get a a better view of the match. The first, thing, the first thing I'd like to say, mate, is congratulations to that Croatian team because that Croatian mm-hmm. team were the better footballing team, I think, pretty much beyond doubt. I thought um, Modric was, was Modric. I thought Rakitic had played better than he did. And I thought Perisic was terrific, excellent. Mm. Really, really played very well. Uh, I thought Rebic was a, was a constant problem. Um, I'll get onto the back four because I don't want to give them credit for anything. But, <laughs> but, but and I, I and think... I'm glad, you're, I'm glad you're, you're saying this as well because it's, it, it, it is an undoubted fact. And, and anyone who comes out and, and says, 
you know, because uh, apparently there was a lot of, you know, stuff going on uh, in, in, with Twitter and everything during that, during the match saying, you know, that England were, were comfortable and going all over the, getting all over them, but not really the match that, uh, that no. I saw. And I think that most of us saw. So yeah. No, I, I no, no. They were credit, the, credit where credit's due. they were the better, the better footballing team. And you have to admire a team that three times in knockout football has been a goal down and three times has come back to win in extra time. That, I mean, that mental fortitude that those players must have is incredible. I mean, I mean really a huge not amount since, of credit uh, to them. Yeah, not since England 1990, I believe. England did the same thing in 1990. No, three, we, were never, we were never, we were never down, a goal down to Belgium, were yeah. we? So yeah, we were no. a goal down to Cameroon and we were a goal down to Germany, but we eventually went on to lose that game. So mm. they were a goal down yeah. to Denmark within minutes. They were a goal down to Russia. I mean, I think halfway through the first half. I yep. mean, yep. In, that, in that game, they're playing against the partisan crowd as well. So you, you cannot doubt that team's mental fortitude to come back and the skill and the ability. And they're a very nicely balanced team. And also what England crucially weren't is they are a tactically flexible team. They can mm. play 4-2-3-1 or they can play what they played last night, which was a 4-3-3. Mm-hmm. I, thought their co- I thought the coach got the tactics dead on because Perisic and Rebic were faster than Trippier and Young. I mean, Trippier still had an excellent game, but Young had a horrible night. Not, it's not his fault. He's, what, 32 now, and he's not as fast as he used to be. Uh, sure. and, and Danny Rose has not been good enough this season to warrant a start. He's uh, still kind of coming back to fitness. Again, not Danny Rose's fault. I don't want to blame anyone for it. But by playing 4-3-3, by playing Modric and Rakitic that little bit deeper with Brozovic and... And then putting Rebic and Perisic, who swapped flanks, by the way, he put them in that gap that when you play 3-5-2, there is a natural gap in between the fullbacks. And Perisic and Rebic just kept going into those gaps. And even later in the second half, you could see Modric could tell this space in here behind Ashley Young. And Modric was living in that space, like prompting and poking and, and pushing, uh, which he, you know, I've also seen him do for Real Madrid. So they were tactically flexible, they were superior technicians. They weren't as tired as we thought they were. And, and also, let's face it, you're not going to be as tired when you got more of the ball. Um, so hats off, hats off to Croatia. Uh, one smaller side to that, I hope Luka Modric goes to jail because if anyone actually, <laughs> if anyone actually reads up on what Luka Modric is being accused of, he essentially embezzled $10 million dollars out, no, 10 million pounds out of Croatian grassroots football to give it to a, a man called Zlatko Mamic, who is uh, essentially, without wanting to characterize and generalize, an evil bastard. And Modric lied to prosecutors in order to get that man off the hook. So I really just hope that he does go to jail because it sets an example to, to everyone else in his country. Yeah, I mean, look, we, yeah, it's... It's a tough one, isn't it? Right. I mean, I'll forgive him, you know, because he's playing football or something. But, you know, we've had uh, <coughs> we've had we've had rapists, you know, come back and play football. And <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> excuse me. Sorry. Uh, uh, and, it, you know, it, it, they come back and they come back almost as heroes. And <coughs> excuse me. Gosh. There was actually a, um, a moment, I believe it was either, I think it was a, a, uh, after the Denmark match, where um, uh, uh, when they beat Denmark and they came back into the, into the dressing room, uh, uh, it was caught on, on video and, and posted on Twitter uh, that it was seen that the president 
uh, of Croatia came into the dressing room and gave Luka Modric a big hug. And, uh, and it, was, uh, it was seen just absolutely terribly uh, uh, in, uh, in Croatia. And people in Croatia were, were furious uh, at the time and absolutely fuming because, uh, you know, here was this uh, politician, you know, top order politician coming in and basically showing the world that almost as if to say, you know, Modric was, was forgiven. Um, but uh, it's been a, a common thing as well that a lot of people, uh, a lot of Croatians, uh, obviously a lot, very large amount of Croatians are extremely displeased with what Luka Modric has done because it, uh, all he's done is he's, he's uh, uh, aided um, uh, the, the already very fragile political uh, um, trust uh, that Croatians have with their politicians in Croatia um, by, uh, uh, by, by doing what he did. And what was actually very, very evident was that if you, and this was something that was, was noted, uh, if you go around and have a look at a lot of the Croatian um, supporters around Russia with Croatian t-shirts, not many of them have the number 10 on their backs, um, which is, I, th I find very, very interesting. I mean, you go, you go to an Argentina match, you know, you know, one out of every two is is a messy one, and uh, you know, you go to you know Portugal, you know, Ronaldo's shirts everywhere. Luka Modric's shirt is not visible amongst uh, supporters uh, of Croatia. So that just goes to show what uh, what they think uh, of Luka Modric. So. Um, uh, but I mean, that, that all said, we haven't really mentioned that until now, <laughs> have we? And then, you know, he comes through and plays a game like the game he plays. No, and of course mate, I mean, I mean, I mean, mate, I think to give us our dues, we have in every episode referred to him as a known perjurer. <laughs> it's very gone, true. It's very we true. haven't yeah. gone into details about it. <laughs> uh, and it is a little bit bitter of me to go into detail about it now. So I'll stop. But I, I do hope that his bastard ass goes to jail. Um, <laughs> Moving on. The second thing I want to say is about this England team. And uh, I'm, you know, I've read a couple of articles uh, this morning. And actually, even I've, I've read a lot of stuff before last night. And there have been things like talks of a, a parade for this team when they get home. Or, you know, lots of articles saying that, you know, they've given us such a wonderful summer. Let's just get this straight. They have achieved what was expected of them. They have beaten the teams they should have beaten and they've lost to the teams that they weren't as good at. Yes, that's a huge improvement on what's come before. It's a huge improvement on meekly going out to Iceland. It's a huge improvement on having less of the ball than Andrea Pirlo. They played with, <laughs> they played with conviction. They played to a plan. They played with spirit. They were uh, amiable and approachable and down to earth uh, and, and a credit to themselves. But... They haven't overachieved. They got lucky with the, with the draw, uh, both in terms of who the group and then what they got put into, and they've beaten teams that they were better than. And in mm. the terms of Croatia, they got close to beating a team that, that were better than them, but they, I mean, we can get into the match in a bit, but they, they, they weren't able to do that. But it would be absolutely horrible if, if we treat this as some kind of achievement of any kind. It could be a well, beginning. Yeah. So they have they, they they've over they've overachieved that that's I think very obvious I, I think a lot of people a lot of people probably don't want to say it but that is true you I I I have to agree 
uh, uh, with you there. And I, I think I think a lot of people actually would agree, but they. they I think they've. I think they've the overachieved in terms of the fact they've got to the semi-final, but I don't think they've overachieved in terms of who they've beaten. They're better than Tunisia. They're be- a lot better than Panama. They're better than Sweden. They're a little bit better than Colombia. They weren't as good as Croatia. I mean, they mm. haven't had to play France. They haven't had to play Brazil, Germany. Uh, in the one game against Belgium, we can't judge anything because everyone put out their B team. They, I know, for me, they've done what was expected and got uh, uh, lucky with, with how the draws fought. And let's not criticize them for being lucky about the draw. They can't help the way in which the draw, you know, opened up for them. That's not their fault. And uh, I think, you know, they've got a lot better than they were. I mean, because let's face it, for the last, I mean, since 1996, they've been horrific. They've been a bunch of absolute incompetent, ugh, like disgraceful and like really, really like made you feel shame to be English. And this lot make you feel okay about it, you know, but they still haven't done anything and, and but they've taken they've taken the country no, they, on, they've a, improved. on a ride. They've improved. They've improved. Yeah, yeah. They've taken the country on the ride. They're they're a great bunch of lads, and this could be a beginning. It, I mean, it really could be a beginning. If you, if you look at them, um, you've got Pickford's twenty four, uh, Stones is twenty four, Maguire is twenty five, uh, Phil Jones, although he didn't play a lot, is is twenty six. Dyer is twenty four. Lingard's twenty five. Sterling is twenty three. Ali is 22, Loftus-Cheek is 22, Kane is 24, Rashford is 20. Well, yeah. All they, of those players the, have got another World Cup at their peak to come. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're the third, they were the third youngest uh, team in, um, uh, in, in, in the World Cup, weren't they? Um, and, and that is pretty remarkable uh, and great to see. However, uh, um, you know, the French team is even younger. Uh, the average yes. age of the French team is even younger. So, I mean, that shows you the difference uh, uh, there. But we'll come on to we'll come on to France. But, in, in a but yeah, but but also what even France don't have that we do have is our under twenties won the World Cup last year. The under seventeens yeah. won the European Championship. The under twenty ones have just won Le Tournoi for the, the which is the you know the major one of the major youth championships for the second yeah. time in a row. We have high quality youngsters coming through, the likes of Jaden Sancho, Phil Foden, Harry Winks. Uh, you know, there's a, there's a few more out there. We have high quality young talent coming through that if we add it to what we have here, this could be a beginning. We've got a mm. coach now in Southgate who will be afforded time. I think Southgate needs to learn tactically. I think last night, um, the Croatian coach uh, out, out-tacticed him, which can happen, right? Every coach gets out-tacticed by another one occasion, but he didn't change quickly enough. His substitutions were too late. They, they, they took too long to, to come about um, and he didn't change the plan to deal with what Croatia were doing to them, which is okay. It's his first major tournament, but he, well, he needs to learn and, and get better. And I, and I trust him to do that, but yeah, yeah. I don't want people to think that this is an achievement, that this is a thing. Like this is very different from 1990. That 1990 team were old. Yeah, they were mm. an old team at kind of the edge of a zenith um, Robson, the coach, was, had already signed a contract with PSV to move on. That was the end yeah. for that team. This has to be a beginning for this team. And we have yeah. to, to treat it like that and not like an accomplishment of any kind. It's a foundation. That's all we've done. We've, we've laid a very nice-looking foundation that we can sit back and go, ooh, that's a lovely foundation. But it's not a house that we can live in yet. 
right? We can't sleep in that yet. There's, there's nothing there, right? There's mm. just a foundation, which is great, which is so much better than we were before. Before we just had a hole, a nasty, terrible, dingy hole that no one <laughs> wanted to even look at, let alone piss in. So like, it's better than it was, but let's not build it up into anything more than it is. Yeah, and you know, it's, it's interesting that you mentioned uh, the Croatian coach, Lato Dalic, uh, because um, the, the Croatians were very dubious uh, about his, uh, his appointment as well to, uh, uh, to the Croatian national team. And he, uh, he, he only came into the Croatian national team last year after having a very uh, non- uh, publicized and colorful uh, uh, managing career. He's been he he has been managing uh, for for about ten years, but he's managed uh, um, and no disrespect to to some of the teams in, in, that he's managed in uh, in uh, in Croatia, but he's managed a couple of teams in Croatia, a couple of teams in Albania, and then he's been in um, Saudi Arabia for for the last five years, and then suddenly just last year he became the 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 national team coach, and. You know, everybody was sort of looking, going, what are you doing type thing. But he's really uh, come on very, very strong. And he's made some unbelievably good tactical uh, decisions. Um, admittedly, he's got a, a great group of players. But he has, I would say, uh, yeah, out, out thought and out fought uh, uh, the England team uh, uh, last night for sure. Um, yeah, definitely there. So it's a very, a very interesting uh, uh, pointer there that, that you mentioned, and I think Southgate, like you said, has he's got he's still got a lot to to learn. He, very well spoken, you know. I, I kept thinking, you know, in his interview straight afterwards, seemed to say the right things again. You know, yeah. he's uh, you know everything he said was was spot on. You know uh, and, about how much experience they needed and how they can only gain from these kinds of experiences. Um, you know, I mean, it would have been actually a bit strange to win the World Cup with this, with this team, you know? It would oh, have been I mean, looking at that match last night, if we had managed to get through, if, if you know, Pickford had pulled off a miracle save from Perisic and we'd managed to, to shut them out, that French yep. team would have taught us a lesson in the final. I'm yeah. sorry, oh, they would they are a lot better than, than, than we are and they, and they have, they have uh, a quite a lot more, more class and I fully expect them to, to beat that Croatian team for no reason other than that Croatia team has got to be absolutely knackered and that French, yeah. te- that French team haven't gone to extra time once and they've got 24 hours more rest in them yep. anyway than, so you would, you would expect them to win but um, and, but football is a strange thing, you know. Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean yeah. Croatia have still got very competent, very competent players, and yeah, yeah. Modric and Rakitic are better technicians on the ball than Pogba and Matuidi and, and Conte. Conte, Matuidi, and Pogba obviously are, are fitter, more energetic, stronger physically, but they're yeah. not technically as as good as those two. I, uh, I, I, yeah, I, you know, sorry, sorry to, to like because I know that you've obviously been a bit, you know, not very nice, not very nice, and not very happy with Luka Modric and everything. But the the, the truth is, he he is an, an and you know it, and we all know it, and he's an unbelievable, unbelievable football player. Mm. And last night, I saw him lose the ball once, uh, which was once. entirely his own fault. Like he, it, it was, kind of, it was. He kind of, like, miscontrolled, kind of miscontrolled, was thinking about the next, next thing. That's, but, that's right. And then he, did you see his reaction? First of all, he went to win the ball uh, and he, 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 he booted it out. And then he was on the floor, pounding the floor and, and really mm. 
furious with himself because <coughs> I think that must have been his first misplaced pass. And if if anybody probably, you know, ever, probably his first ever. misplaced pass <laughs> ever. He is an immaculate footballer. He played for Tottenham yes. for three years, so I know he is an immaculate yep. footballer and a, and a footballer that's really been. If you read the, his his journey, like he was bullied as a child. He had to play on. Uh, you know, bogs of pitches in, in Bosnia. He's tiny with people pushing him over and shoving him. Like, and he's, he's, you know, born out of what he didn't have rather than what he did have. And he's a, he's a once in a generation player. You know, you can say, oh, we need to reduce the lights of Luka Modric. You, the Modric, Messi, uh, Ronaldo, players like that, they are once in a generation players that the perfect storm of events has to come together in order, order to form. But yes, mate, as much as he might be a known perjurer, he is an immaculate footballer of, <laughs> of the highest quality. He's really, really exceptional. And I thought Rakitic was better last night than he had been in yes. other Definitely, I'm with you on that one for sure because I think he was, a, uh, and it was it was commonly touted as well, a little bit disappointing against Russia. Um, I, th- I thought Modric was was world class against Russia. Actually, I actually, even though we we're we're um, uh, praising Modric uh, amazingly during this match, I thought he wasn't as as influential as he was for the Russia match. Uh, in the Russia match, he was really direct, but here he was deeper. And I felt like he was a little bit, certainly in the first half. Uh, but again, we'll, we'll talk about the match in, in a second. But uh, the, in that first half, he was, and I was kind of looking, going, whew, we're keeping him quiet. This is really good. And, you know, up, up until the 60-oddest minute, I thought, we've, we've you, know, it's, it's, you know, I dared to think, we, you know, England had done it. They'd managed to nullify this, and, and Modric wasn't going to come out of his shell. And he probably still didn't fully yet. Again, no misplaced passes, regardless of how much pressure he was under. That's what's so amazing. Yeah, that's, that's an incredible thing to have, that a player in the middle of the pitch who you can give the ball to, who you know isn't going to release it. Like, I mean, the worst yeah. thing that's going to happen is he gets fouled and you've got a free kick and you build from there. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. and, and how many, but honestly, though, how many players like that in the world right now are there? Well, not right now, but I mean, I can think of a few in the f- in the past, of course. Yeah, but, uh, I mean, uh, I mean, Xavi yeah. and Iniesta, obviously, uh, are, yeah. are two that have gone in the past. Um, Zidane was one. Yes. Oh, um, just can't get the ball off him. It's so frustrating. So frust- must be must be horrible to play against. And yeah. but and like you said, so slight a frame. How is it possible? But like you said, a perfect storm of events creates a football player like this. And it doesn't actually matter that they're from Argentina, from Portugal, or from Croatia. It could be from anywhere, really. It could mm. be from anywhere. So yeah. Gascoigne was was actually yes. very good. At his best. Know. At his yeah, best. Yeah. It was it was a it was a player lost. Such a shame, Paul Gascoigne. That's twenty-five podcasts that we could do just on this. <laughs> <laughs> on the, on the sh- shame and waste of talent that was Paul Gascoigne. Mate, but now True. that we are a little bit into the match, the third thing I want to talk about, um, which again is going to seem bitter, um, but that's why I wanted to start with the fact that Croatia were the better team and deserved and the better technicians. But the performance of the referee last night was horrendous. It was mm. absolutely terrible. There's a, and there's three things I want to draw attention to. The first is his complete shamelessness at not booking Dejan Lovren. Dejan Lovren um, kicked deliberately on the halfway line in order to stop a counter-attack, Harry Kane, in, in and around the 20th minute. It's a complete 
blatant yellow card that the ref mm. saw. And Lovren even had the cheek to mouth off to the ref that he'd made True. the wrong decision. So that's yeah. a yellow card. That should have been a yellow card. And then he then commits almost the same foul, but on Raheem Sterling in a slightly more dangerous situation, he would not have committed that foul had he been on a yellow card. It's, I don't mm. care that he still didn't get one. I mean, that makes it even worse. But, but Sterling's away from him. Sterling probably miss it. We all know who Sterling would. But, but it's, a, it's a very different thing when your most important centre-back is on a yellow card with, mm-hmm. um, with 70 minutes of a game to play. That's the first thing. That was terrible. The second thing that no one else seems to be mentioning or picking up on, and perhaps, maybe, correct me if I've got this wrong, but uh, towards the end of the first half, I believe it was, Yep. Uh, Rebic and Walker went up for uh, a header and Rebic's hand goes into Walker's face. Uh, yes. You could debate whether or not it's a yellow card, but the ref gives a yellow card for it. But he gives it to Mandzukic. Ah, does, okay. He, well, he, hang on a second. He, mm. he, you, know, you know why, though? Because he, he gives it to Mandzukic because Mandzukic, uh, it's, it's, uh, he, he, he boots the ball away. So, because uh, they, they, um, my maybe your uh, uh, your view actually from Korean TV didn't show that, uh, but here um, they did show that, and they showed a replay from a from an angle from a camera in the crowd, uh, which is sort of in line with the with the penalty box, and it shows you a scene where Manzukic has got the ball and he slams it out of play because there was a free kick given against Rebic with it, with his hand. So it's uh, uh what's the word? Uh, it's a, a, a impe- not petulance, not what well, he's been booked for. Um, yeah, pet- petulance or dissent. Yes, yeah, d- yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's been booked for dissent for that. And it's quite clear that that's the reason why. Nonetheless, Re- Rebic should have got a yellow card for that as well. He, he, uh, yes. he put his face quite clearly, his hand, sorry, quite clearly in, into, into Walker's face on that one. And, uh, uh, you know, it even looked like it was close to being uh, um, an elbow on that. Yeah. Okay. Then, I, then I'll admit defeat on that one. But yeah, I didn't think he handled that situation particularly well. And no, then the th- but, but the referee generally, I'm, I'm completely with you. And in fact, I think I texted you halfway through the first half and I thought it from minute one. And like, I remember looking at the clock going, looking at it and going, this is the first minute. And I'm already thinking this referee is something's not right. You know, he's, he's, he's wanting to be bigger than the game. That's the worst thing that can happen for a referee in, I think in any sport, uh, uh, but, uh, but certainly in, in, in football where you get a referee who wants to be bigger than, than the match, you know, and wants to be the center of attention uh, because he thinks that it's a good way to control the game, but then he didn't control the game. You know, he didn't, no. he didn't make the right decisions. So no, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. That referee was, was, was not good. Um, but the, he did also make some decisions as well against, uh, um, against the, the Croatians as well. So he was generally a bad referee. Yes. Generally. Yeah, 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 yeah. He, his bad decisions did go both ways. But honestly, I felt yeah. more against things. And then the thing I want to say about the Croatian goal is it's, it's a high foot. Now, personally, honestly, I think it's yeah. a fine as a goal. Because Perisic puts his foot in there, aware of the fact that if he makes contact with the ball, which he does first and scores, it's a goal. But he runs the risk of if he catches Walker as well as the ball, then, yeah. then, then he's you know, facing a red card potentially. So that's Perisic's choice. What I will say about the ref is this is the ref that sent Nani off we're playing for Manchester United against Real Madrid for a high foot where Nani controlled the ball with his foot with no head 
anywhere near. I mean, okay, mm. vaguely near. So that ref's shocking lack of consistency is infuriating. <sighs> and, um, and, and, you know... You know what- what I what I thought actually about that was that had it been anywhere else on the pitch, I think he would have given a free kick. Had it been anywhere else on the pitch, I think he would have given a free kick. But because it was a goal, it's you, you can sort of see, you know, uh, why he's let it go as a goal. Uh, but it's wrong. It's a wrong decision. Uh, because if you're going to give it anywhere else on the pitch, and we often hear this this argument about all sorts of things, like would he give a free kick if that was – you know, anywhere else on the pitch. Yes, he would, but it's a, uh, it's a penalty. So he hasn't given a free kick, you know? So it's the same thing. It's the same situation here. I'm, I'm dead sure that if, if um, uh, Perisic goes in on the halfway line somewhere in the, in the center circle and Walker dives in for a header and they're sort of, you know, he's, his foot is that high. It's definitely a, it's definitely a free kick, but I think, I think he got caught up in the rush of it. Um, unless he missed it, but I, I, I failed to see how he could he could have missed that, but uh, yeah. So that uh, it's uh, yeah um, yeah yeah. It's yeah. Not, I mean, it's but not, per- Perisic himself, his performance deserves a goal. We were incredibly lucky when Perisic hit the post. Hit the post um, yeah, and there were a couple of other events where I mean, let's face it, Croatia really should have scored. Um, the match itself, I. The thing that, that, that makes this a little bit more painful is that Kieran Trippier scored a lovely goal. I mean, it was <laughs> a really, really lovely goal. It went in so beautifully. And then being 1-0 up, we had two massive chances to go two, maybe even three up. And honestly, mate, it hurts that Kane missed the first one. And it's, it's a sitter. The, yep. the, first, the first one where he gets, okay, you can't get out of his feet. He really should pass it to Sterling because even Sterling's not going to miss that. But then the second one, that's practically an open goal that, that he's missed. And, and all right, the ref, um, the linesman then flags for, for offside, but if had it gone to VAR, it would have stood. That's right. And, and then the next, one, the next one, which is less of a chance, but still a great chance and a pathetic attempt was Jesse Lingard's. <laughs> I mean, it was really pathetic, that, that attempt. And I thought Lingard is a player that we've made fun of since this tournament began. But he is a player with potential. But I felt he went missing last night. I couldn't mm. believe that, that Delph or someone wasn't brought on, even, as, even at half time, Because Ling- Lingard looked to me like he got lost in the occasion. A lot of the English players didn't. A lot of them mm. stood up. I, I, John Stones was at fault for Mandzukic's goal. But I thought other than that, Stones had an excellent night. Trippier sure. was... Trippier did what he can. Maguire, I mean, how lovely is it to have a centre-back that can dribble past people? Um, yeah, yeah. No, he did. He, and he did. Mind you, his diving needs to get a bit better. Uh, <laughs> yes, he does need to improve. He's going to grab. <laughs> oh, well, slab and it. Walker... Walker, yeah, he had his customary fuck up, you know, where he. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Walker, Carl Walker is playing out of position. I think, I think, I think we have yeah. to give him that that he was playing out out of position. I know why he's in there because Stones and Maguire are not quick, and, and we need pace, and we don't have, you know, a, a quick centre back um, yeah, yeah. to to play there. But I think the the. The first goal was down to the fact that he was out of position. A centre-back would have known to get in such a position that, that Perisic couldn't get across them. Mm. Um, and, you know, I mean, he's done very well playing out of position for the rest of it. And, and I don't want to, to blame Kyle Walker for it. But England's chance in that game was 
to blitz them early. And this is a tactic that Premier League clubs use a lot. Pochettino uses it. Klopp uses it. Uh, yeah, Guardiola we... less, less so, but sometimes does. Yeah. But it's you beat the team in a, in a 25, 30-minute blitz. It's, that's how Liverpool got to the Champions League final. They beat teams by murdering them for 30 minutes. Yeah, you, like really... You mentioned this. Uh, yeah, you've mentioned this in, in one of the very early podcasts as well, actually, that, uh, uh, that this is one way to, you know, and the best way to be able to, to do it, absolutely smash them over a very short period of time. And, <coughs> and we did that, but we didn't take our chances. But we didn't you take know, the chances. You That's take the, one of those chances, it's 2-0. Defending a 2-0 lead is way easier than defending a 1-0 lead. You know, we could, we, can, we could catch even 1-0. We should have been able to catch them on the, on the break a, a little bit more. But then when you don't have the ball and you have to chase around, you're going to get tired. And the goals were inevitable. I actually, I actually mm. thought in the second half of, uh, of overtime, we, we were beginning to pick it up and the Croatians then did begin to look tired. And, but unfortunately, John Stones has made, I think, his first major mistake of the tournament. And so I don't want to be upset and mad at him, but it's his fault, that goal. Like he went to sleep, basically. And, and man took its ghosts yeah, in yeah. around the back of him. Um, it's such a shame for him because I, I really like him as a, as a centre-back well, and as a leader. And... I think it's it, uh, when I look at him and when I look at that goal, I I I see a t- a bit of a tired brain uh, because uh, yes he went to sleep fair enough but I, I also think he because he, he seems to uh, make a kind of double double shift double move I think he also like I'm going to give him just a little bit of credit on this one I don't think he knows Mandzukic is there and for the first second if you look at it carefully he he starts to look up towards Pickford and actually holds his hand out to say Pickford this is yours and then suddenly he realizes uh, that Mandzukic is in there and he's like you know shoot you know i can't i can't get it so if you if you look at that carefully he he just didn't realize that he was there and i think when the ball starts to go past him like he's his like i said his brain was tired like he he didn't think that there was a possibility of someone being there because even if somebody is or, or if somebody's not there your your job as a central defender is to 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 coax the ball to the keeper you're still defending the ball until it gets to the keeper you want the keeper to come and get it great that's fine but you accompany the ball towards mm-hmm. the keeper to make sure that nobody gets to it and he doesn't he just he looks tired he looks like he's he just wants the keeper to come and get it and doesn't fulfill that uh, um that very basic central defensive uh, uh need you know and um, and look he's he's gonna have to learn from that I th- i'm pretty sure that he knows in his mind exactly what happened in that split second and he will uh, he will learn he 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 has to learn you know it's it's the only way he has to uh, he has to be able to learn on that um, but I totally agree with you. I, th- I think I think Stones has had a, a great tournament. A really, I've, I've been really happy because Stones, you know, he's 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 got a, he's had a lot of stick, hasn't he? You know, over the last two, three, four seasons, even, and uh, he's he, he's had a lot of doubters. And I I I, I love him to be honest. I, I think he's I, I thought certainly a couple of seasons ago that he was going to be 
the future uh, for England. A, a classic Ronald Koeman style uh, uh, defender, uh, defender who loves to bring the ball out and dribble. In fact, Harry Maguire has, has taken that on quite surprisingly. Um, but John, John Stones is like that as well. And he loves to play from the back. And it is the future, I think, certainly for the next 10 years of the kind of style that football is going in the direction of. And, th- and we can, we can, blame Guardiola for that um uh he that's the style that he's bringing in and over the next 10 years we'll see lots and lots and lots and lots of teams playing out from the back that playing out from the back thing is a is a is still a relatively new thing and not everybody is is capable of doing it stones is but he needs to learn a lot and i think he will with uh, with Guardiola yeah. um yeah Sure. As much as much as you can see the influence of Southgate on that team, and Southgate, I think what he deserves the most credit for is is changing the culture. Not like changing the culture of of an institution like the England football is a really really difficult thing to do, and so he mm. deserves immense credit of like taking away this burden of the shirt, taking away this fear, giving them the energy that they want to play, bringing them together, uh, and then somehow managing to join the public with them. That is, I think, Southgate, incredible achievement to do that. But let's, let's build on it and go from there. But footballing-wise, just purely footballing-wise, what you see on the pitch, I think there's been as much of an influence of the likes of Pochettino, Klopp and Guardiola on that team. And I think it's no surprise that you see Tottenham, Liverpool and, and Manchester City as kind of the three biggest contributors yeah. to that team, which I think is a wonderful thing because those coaches are not only successful, but they're coaches who, who play football the right way. I mean, mm. I, this is, this is uh, sometimes I doubt myself on this, but I honestly would rather watch a team that plays football the right way and loses in finals than, than watch one who parks the bus, plays the percentage, like the Sam Allardyce, Jose Mourinho sure, formula sure, for success. Sure. Like, and it's moments like this where it hurts. Um, actually, to be fair, we haven't lost to a team that played football the wrong way. Croatia also play, play football the right way. They're, they're not um, a percentages team. So this actually hurts yeah. a little less than, you know, sometimes, I mean, Tottenham in the last two years have managed to, to lose FA Cup semifinals and leagues to Chelsea and Manchester United, who are teams who play percentage football. I mean, mm. Conte and, and Mourinho are, you know, if I get this man with this much power in this much position and put him here and then I rotate to this level and invest this much money, I will get a team that is efficient, doesn't waste energy. I rely on one highly talented player like Hazard up, or Sanchez or whoever it is up front. That, I mean, there's mm. no love there for me for, for, for a team like that and people can argue with it. And, you know, you can go support the team that wins all the time um, playing you know negative football fine you go enjoy that that's I don't want to get involved in that so it's very encouraging to have a team that wants to play out from the back Um, and we have an opportunity now because the Premier League is quite rapidly outstripping all the leagues around it if you if you look now next season we're going to have Manchester City who what, have a 55,000-seater stadium, one of the strongest teams in Europe, Manchester United, biggest club in the world financially. Tottenham are moving into a 60,000-seater stadium next year. Liverpool are, what, 50... I mean, how many clubs? We've, our top six, right, in terms of, like, financial backing, and we've got the best coaches, and soon we're really going to have... The, you know, with Ronaldo leaving La Liga, 
they've only got Messi left. The, the big players are now coming to play for those, for those big coaches. If we mm. can get our youth system sorted and get young players playing in that league, all right, there might be fewer of them who come through, but those that come through are going to be of an absolute top-notch quality. And yep. we're beginning to see that because I think the likes of, all right, Sancho has gone to Borussia Dortmund, but he'll be back. Um, Foden is beginning to come through through at Man City. If you look at the amount of game time that Winks has had uh, under Pochettino at Tottenham, there's 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 green shoots to be had there. Like I mean, Pickford is um, you know uh, a young goalkeeper that's that's also been brought through and given a chance. I think we need to get Pickford to a Champions League team ASAP. Sorry, Everton. We need to get Maguire out of Leicester City and into a Champions League team because that's that's you know that's where the that's the highest level of football is the Champions League. The World Cup yeah, is yeah. not quite as high a level as that. And also the other thing which is on the horizon is next year. From next year, we have uh, we have a summer break, so our players might just be less tired. And <laughs> that's true. And and we've got a European Championships where the semi-finals and finals are at Wembley. Uh, and yep being spread across Europe, but the, the, if we can get to the semis in the final, we've got home advantage for them. And on top of that, the Qatar World Cup in 2022 happens in December when our players should all be physically fitter than all of the players in the other leagues because the Premier League is the physically most demanding league. So there's green shoots there. Let's just not fuck it up, please. Let's... <laughs> okay. Oh, and uh, to, to add to that as well, England's, uh, are also thinking of bringing in the winter breaks soon as well. So no, it's um, happening. It's 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 not it's not a thinking of. It's happening next year. There is a there is a winter break. It's happening in a little bit of but a strange Jan- way. Is it January? Yeah, or it's it's like in it? January. Just it's after the the Boxing Day fixtures and before the uh, the FA, no sorry I've got that wrong. It's it's straight after the FA Cup third round. So they're going to keep the FA Cup third round the first week of January, and yep. then there's a winter break. It's staggered, so um, it's not. It's not a blanket break. So uh, it is an effect instead of one break. I'm not explaining this very well. Instead of one break, it's four breaks. So no, sorry, two breaks. So 10 teams will not play one weekend and 10 teams won't play the other weekend. But effectively, mm. every team gets, okay. a, gets a two-week break. But we don't, we as a loving public don't have to put up with no football. We just have to have two <laughs> weeks half as much football, which uh, I think is actually quite a nice way of doing it. So yeah, yeah the, the, the prospect, prospect of our players not being quite as tired. Uh, is there a way that we can make the foreign players play every weekend? Like if you come over <laughs> and play in the Premier League, you have to play extra. We should, we should institute that as a thing. Like, you know, if Modric and Rakitic, I know, they, they play overseas. Who's, who's, top quality like Pogba for example he should be just running more we should just stick Pogba on a treadmill until he falls <laughs> over and dies and then say to him if you don't want to play here Paul go somewhere else <laughs> like <laughs> all right okay look let's um let's just let's uh, I'll I tell you what let's take a, sh- a short break uh and we'll come back and we'll we'll analyze some some parts of the game uh because there were there were some parts of the game that I think will 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 be quite interesting to uh just to have a little bit of a look at I know we've already covered quite a quite a few bits uh but there are some other, other parts in in the game which I think will will be uh interesting to have a look at as well so we'll take a short break and uh, when we come back we'll uh, continue our review of England versus Croatia and uh, and then a little later on we'll uh, ha- have a little look at uh, at uh, at the final and the third and fourth Wait, place mate. as well. Yeah, come on, come on, come on. That's what we're yeah, all here we... for. Third, fourth, yeah, yeah, yeah. come on. Third, third, fourth versus yeah. England <laughs> part two. All right, we'll be right back. 
Dave. It's all your fault. I want to forgive you though, because now, football is going home. Not your home, but still, a home. Will it be a good home? Let's just say it's being held hostage until Qatar. <laughs> All right, welcome back to part two uh, of Born Offside, the podcast that brings you pure, unadulterated uh, hatred. <laughs> hatred, general should be some general love there, but nah, nah, lot of lot of hatred. Though we do we do express some love uh, uh, for certain uh, certain players and certain moves and certain uh, uh, things uh, that go on. Oh, by the way, skill of the tournament uh, so far. We didn't really talk about it, but uh, Mbappe's little little flick on the edge of the box against Belgium to put Giroud in. Uh, did you see that? Mate, uh, I'm sure it was. Was lovely, and it's is it a pirouette? Is it a back hill? Is it a Cruyff turn? It's all three in one. It was lovely. <laughs> I had to watch that back actually because yeah, me too. I wasn't quite sure what he did, and it was just beautiful. It was it was a bit of a Maradona spin, uh, I felt, but with a pass at the end of it instead mm. of a kind of Maradona, and then keep keep going. It was just. It was just beautiful, you know, and for, you know, for him to do it in that position at that place on the edge of the box where the move is going at 100 miles per hour because that move was real fast. It was just beautiful, beautiful to watch. Anyway, we'll, we'll be able to talk about Mbappé a little bit mate, later. Mate, while, while we are on Mbappé, yep. before I forget this, because um, in our last podcast, we were discussing whether Mbappé might potentially go to Real Madrid, right? Yep. Uh, and... Uh, I did some reading and there's this um, story coming out of PSG just now. And I, you don't know if it's a plant or, or, or if not, but rumor has it that Neymar and Danny Alves have been um, bullying Kylian Mbappe, like making fun of him, um, tearing up his clothes, um, uh, you know, just generally bullying poor little Kylian. Um, and one of the reasons it's been suggested in the French press that he's having so much fun is that the French players don't bully him. Um, and I kind of can see it, especially from Danny Alves. Danny Alves very much looks like someone who would bully other people and get some enjoyment. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, I'm probably with you on the Danny Alves side. Um, no, that's right. You know, I did, I did actually see something, um, some some teenage mutant ninja turtle thing going on or something and uh, all kind of kind of kind of stuff. I mean, isn't it isn't it difficult because we we see this kind of thing happen uh, or we and, and we hear about this kind of thing happen a lot, especially in football uh, as well because uh, they you know it's kind of part of the. I know it sounds stupid and I hate it when people say, it, but the the induction of being part of the football club and taking the piss, you know, is supposedly uh, a way of getting you closer together. And, but like, um, but you know, it, 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 you know, when bullying, uh, when it gets to a certain level and a certain point where it's obviously taking its toll is something that has to be, uh, uh, ha you know, has to be a little bit, um, yeah, it's, it has to be stopped obviously. Um, but yeah, I think that's what that's what uh, that's what it was, wasn't it? They gave him a a, a, um, a teenage mutant ninja turtle mask, you know. And I I think that it's not on. It's not on It's not on Danny. Stop it! You no. leave little Killian alone. Like Yoko Ono said, <laughs> a child that believes in a peaceful world. 
leave him alone. Well, let's let you know what let's. I I really hope, and I think the world actually hopes as well that he does move, uh, whether he moves to Real Madrid or oh mate, if he came to England, how lovely would that be? Mate, um, we've but got room don't... for him at Tottenham. I will. Um, <laughs> Lamella, Lamella can go. We'll have him. Oh, Come over, Killian. Lamella, surely you love Pamela. <laughs> you know, he's, um, <laughs> I, the the problem, of course, is that is is that enormous fee. You know, no one's going to pay that amount of money. I think I think uh, Manchester United would probably be the only team. Uh, oh, you where, don't want you him know, to the, go there. We don't want him to go no, there. No, but Man, yeah, but Mourinho is the only guy who seems to have his chairman under his thumb. Uh, you know, you go to Chelsea, forget it. You know, and. As much as Guardiola may very well have a lot of control, he also has a lot of control over himself in terms of <laughs> overpaying for... Jose Mourinho has no control over himself. <laughs> no control at all. He's like, I want that one. I want that one. <laughs> Give me that Easy. one. Get one that oh, one. Me? Shit. Get it. I don't like this one that much. Give me that one. Woodward. <laughs> yes. Clive, come here. <laughs> Mate, mate, uh, I think I think we can um, safely tell the listeners that Jay and I have decided to continue this podcast into the Premier League season next year. So we'll have plenty yeah. on Jose Mourinho, um, <laughs> plenty. But yeah. we should get back because you wanted to talk about more things about last night's game. So can well, we get I mean, that done so I never have to think about it ever again? Oh, all right, okay. I mean, we'll, we'll just go over it quickly. But I mean, I think. Uh, and I think you've you've covered a lot actually here because to be honest I was a little bit worried about how this podcast was going to go. Uh, we've let we've for, for our listeners this is coming a bit later than usual because we've let the dust settle a little bit. I think because I was a little slept. Bit- I slept. I literally turned off the TV, told everybody that I'm not leaving the TV on. I don't want to watch Croatia celebrating. And I slept from what was 5 a.m. my, t- my time through to 1 p.m. So I slept, yeah. what, five, Good. six, seven, eight hours just straight. Uh, <laughs> and some, somebody tried to wake me up around 11 o'clock. And I was just like, oh. no, I'm not going Mistake. anywhere or doing anything. I still, even now, can see Kieran Trippier's goal going in and how happy oh. I was at that. Oh, it's horrible. Mate, the thing that's most horrible about it was it's never going to, the draw is never going to open up like that ever again. If we're going yep. to win it, if we're going to get to a final, we're going to have to do it the hard way next time. Yep. <sighs> this was an unbelievable opportunity uh, to, to, to get into a World Cup final. That is something that I think the, the, you know, every single player on there, uh, especially, and I'm, I'm sorry to say, and I hope he gets over this. I think he will. But Harry Kane, I, I'm, I'm, I, I'm, I was really disappointed with how he did yesterday. I mean... We can't fully blame him because, you know, it's to do with supply as well. Um, but I think he needed to show a little bit more. He needed to show more bite, uh, more. He needed to show his frustration more. He needed to drop deeper more. He needed to get on the ball more. He needed to do more for that team. I felt a little bit like it was a, a an England team without a captain. I'm sorry. I know that you've been really, you know, <laughs> Harry Kane can do no wrong. Last night, he, he did a lot wrong. Um, and he was probably, even though, uh, even though, like, if we're going to rate all the players, even though we might not rate Harry Kane as the worst, um, taking into consideration that he is supposed to be the best, the star. like yes. the star of the world, he was the worst. If you know what I mean, like c- comparatively to, yeah, like, I mean, you can't compare him to Lingard. 
No, his job yeah. is to put chances away, and he had an absolute sitter that he should have scored. I mean, th- yeah. that's that's his job, and he hasn't done it. And honestly, that's that's what hurts. Yeah, like yeah. really, like that Harry of all people had that chance and and didn't take it. Uh, he'll come back, mate. Like he's come, he's been through worse. Like he he was he, he once sat on Leicester City's bench. Um, with with Jamie Vardy oh, while no, David Nugent no, no. was in the team in front of him, like to <laughs> be on a bench with David Nugent in front of you in the championship is a horrible experience to go through. Really horrible. He'll he'll fair bounce enough, back. Like, you know, he's 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 a player who gets better every year, and he'll continue to get better. He's in the right place. He'll play more Champions League football. He'll get smarter, more streetwise. He's not a streetwise player yet, Harry Kane. He doesn't. He's learning slowly. You saw but some of that in. Yeah, in the Columbia yeah, yeah. game, in the Columbia game, he he showed a little bit of that. But I think if you look at Mandzukic last night, Mandzukic was you know he couldn't have been any more street, and if unless he had like a a baseball cap on backwards and a ghetto blaster on his, he, <laughs> he was as street as it some gets. Some of the stuff, like some of the stuff that Mandzukic was doing towards the end, you know, being on the floor, he went he went down a couple of times, and and you could see. Uh, you know, the England players tried to lift him up and like even the referee trying to get him up and he was doing this whole kind of, yeah, 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 but I am and trying to explain, you know, that I am injured and all that. And I think he probably was. I mean, he was, he put a lot I don't know, he didn't, didn't look all that, it didn't look all that injured when he left John Stones for dead and buried the ball in the wrong corner. <laughs> That's true as well. That's he looked very fairly true. All- Looked fairly all right then. Uh, that, uh, yeah, yeah. So, so he's yeah, absolutely. He's 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 got all the you know every trick in the book in that Mate, sense. I, we've but, we've uh, said this we've said this before with a, a different game, a non England game. Football needs has to is essential that we get rid of this horrible time wasting by mm. by just stopping the clock. As simple as that. That it doesn't like three England players had to go over to Manzukic and pick him up, and. Yep. And just stop the clock so they don't even have to go over. Just you just stop it, or you say, "All right, you sit down there, but we're playing on, right?" It's yes. One of those oh. two things has to happen. That's a very and it's a very dangerous game to play, obviously, because the referees like if there is a serious injury, the referees the last thing they want is to just let the play go on whilst this guy has a serious injury. So, um, but but in in a way. You know, that's just just. It, you're right. Something something needs to be done. I mean, I think they they need to to think about this very carefully. How can they resolve this issue uh, of of people out there deliberately trying to waste time? Now, what a lot of the English players I've noticed uh, have started doing is they've started deliberately wasting time themselves as well. Oh yeah, um, we're just as guilty and- as everyone. Every team does it, but that's why we need to have a rule. To, to just yep, get yep. rid of it. Like, I mean, look at the back pass rule, right? Before, do you remember watching football in the late 80s, early 90s? Yes. Yeah, I yeah, do. yeah, it was horrible. <laughs> I, it was like, I mean, Liverpool basically won all those trophies for 20 years by getting 1-0 up and then passing along the back line and giving it back to Bruce Grobula, throwing it out, passing it back. It used to be. Seaman was another one yeah. who spent so much, like that used to be horrible. You wouldn't dream now of removing mm. the back pass rule. Wouldn't dream of it. It's made no. the game so much better. And I'm telling you, stop the clock when the ball is out of play will dramatically improve everything. But make well, the ref- Infantino... The referee often... Uh, yeah, but the referee often points at his clock, uh, at, his, at his wrist, you that's know, saying, nothing. basically... That's but what, so what you're saying is we need to visibly see... That the, that the clock put the clock up. Put the clock up on the scoreboard. Don't don't mm-hmm. put don't put take the score off. Like do what they do in rugby. The clock is up in big 
shiny letters on, on both ends <laughs> and, and it's there. And there's a bloke yep. that when the ball's out, he pushes a button that stops it. And when the ball yep. comes back in, he pushes a button again. Right. Mm. You can, I would take 70 minute games because you're going to get more football that way. We have to make Infantino, whoever's in charge of FIFA, sign a decree saying that television companies are in no way allowed to fill that gap with a commercial. That is yes. You've mentioned that, that as well, yeah. Ruin, ruin football, but Mate, with, football better. Just, just stop the bloody clock. It doesn't yeah, matter. Go, going on to onto that, there was a, an incident where Kyle Walker, uh, I believe, uh, was was wasting oh, time. Horribly guilty. Horribly that guilty. Was, that was Kyle Walker was bad. holding the back of his calf, rolling around in agony, demanding the ball be kicked out, and then when the ball came into the area, somehow mystically got better and headed the ball out. Like it yeah. was. It was ridiculous. Uh, every, mate, I'm not trying to say that England are holier than now. We did it against Sweden. We, we started doing it against Colombia. Every team mm. does it. And it's infuriating. It's yeah. horrible. I don't like to watch my teams, my teams do it. Like, I don't even like them going to the corner and keeping the ball in the corner. It's, ugh, it's just yeah, no, horrible. Play football. Well. <laughs> but, but, but the thing with the ball going out and then, all right, now I'm going to roll around for a bit and now I'm going to make a tactical substitute. If you, if you turn the clock off, it's not an issue anymore. Fine. Do whatever you want, lads. Go for it. Roll around. We'll stand here yep. for five minutes. Clock's not doing anything. You're literally not doing anything. Yeah. And it will very quickly see, see this whole thing stop because they'll realize what's the point. You know, we might as well just keep, uh, keep on, uh, uh, keep on playing. So, um, yeah, look, um, uh, it's 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 very true. Uh, I think we 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 could we could talk a, a lot about uh, uh, so many of these things. I, I keep I keep wanting to try to go back to to the game a little bit. Um, what one thing you said yesterday uh, in in the podcast was, I don't mind going out as long as I don't go out to something horrible, something bad, something, you know, like an own goal or like a stupid mistake or, or something like that. Do, do you feel like, like, I feel, I feel we went, well, there's no right way to go out. No I mean, right it was painful. It was painful because it was extra time and it was painful because we were in the lead for so long and because we had chances to extend the lead. But now looking back at it, we went out to the, to the better team if you look at the other um semi-final losses that i can remember uh 96 we were the better team than that german team and we had two huge chances with with gaza and anderton in in extra time to win that game that we didn't take yeah yeah. Uh, and in 1990 we were also the better team and had gaza not broken into tears i i feel like we would have gone on to win that game so those games were were it's stuck in the stuck in the throat more because we really should have won. But looking at last night's game, they did brilliantly to take the lead. Ah, if only they'd, they'd capitalized on it, but then having not done that, they were up against a better team than them. The, I don't, yes, they could have all done a little bit more, but they're young and inexperienced. Uh, I, so I'm, I'm kind of, a, and they're in a semi-final. I mean, mate, if you told me at the beginning of the tournament that I could go to a semi-final, yeah. I would have. Yeah, like, yeah. I told you last night, I'd given you four toes to go to the, to go to the, um, <laughs> to go to the final. But at the beginning of the tournament, if you said semi-final, I would have given you two toes. Like it was, <laughs> you know. I mean, it's it's a wondrous thing. My, my lingering feeling is it was a great opportunity to be one nil up with twenty minutes still to go to make it to a final. And mate. We would have lost to France. Don't get me wrong. We would have lost to France, but I wouldn't have yeah. cared 
like it just would have like just like we're in a final and it's lovely to be sure. here and, and all oh of gosh. that so although interestingly i heard another podcast the bbc podcast and jürgen klinsman they were doing a review of the 1990 semi so they had lineker waddle and klinsman talking about that semi-final and klinsman yeah. said a very interesting thing he said several interesting things but the most interesting thing he said was but whatever you do don't lose in a final losing in a final is the most horrible of things so mm. I know perhaps we've avoided that, although that probably reveals a little bit more about the German mentality than the English mentality, because the English mentality is always losing in the semi-final is the worst thing. You don't even have your big day out. You don't even get to go to the final. Losing in the final, yeah, it's bad, but you still got to go out. Perhaps that, no, you know. but it's, it's, I think it's very funny that you mentioned actually, because um, b before we started this podcast, I was just, I was thinking of, my head was swirling with a whole bunch of different things that we could, we could possibly talk about. And I'm really glad that you've mentioned it actually, because um, <coughs> the world cup is, I, I almost thought like this, the world cup is kind of like a, uh, a bit of a fling, a relationship that you have. Oh with, yes. It's a summer with, love. You know, it is, it is with a, with a, you know, with a woman that you love or a man or you know, whatever your inclination is or whatever, uh, you know, with, uh, you know, it's, it's, it is a fling. It's a relationship that you have. Um, and 32 teams, right. Of the 32 teams, 31 are going to get dumped. All right. And, uh, <laughs> and mm -hmm. how, but how they get dumped is all very, very different. And the emotions that you go through from getting dumped are all very different as well. You know, sometimes you come out of it, you feel angry. Sometimes you come out of it, you feel like, yeah, no, I deserved that. You know, I, you know, I shouldn't have slapped her. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Mate, you shouldn't okay. slap anyone. No, sorry, sorry. I slapped myself. There you go. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> um, you know, all these different emotions that, that people go through. And the World Cup is, is so much like that as well. And, and I, I thought of, of the amount of times that Portugal have gone out in the past. Um, and the way that Portugal went out this time, I just thought... You know what? Because I remember, you know, I remember you asking me, mate, do you want to do the podcast next? And I was like, yeah, no, I, I, I do because, because we we deserved it. You know, we we didn't play uh, very well. We were we were terrible against uh, Morocco. We were oh, we were ghastly. Yet we still managed to win, and it was just I felt I, I think you remember I just felt so bad for the for the poor Moroccans because we we won and we played so horribly and I actually in a weird way wanted them to go out if you can possibly imagine something like that so um this, the world cup is is just beautiful for that you know and uh, and Klinsman is probably very right in the in that the further you go in the more emotionally invested you are, depending as well on the on the way that you play. We've lost in a semi-final, but we haven't played. Sorry, England lost. In semifinal, we haven't played that well, right? Haven't so it's almost and we've lost against the best team. So you almost feel like it's it is deserved. Yes, it's a missed opportunity. Fair enough, but it is deserved, and so you don't feel so bad. But like you just said, in uh, in Italia '90 and uh, in '96, you lost playing really well so it, it does feel so much worse and every single emotion from every single one of these teams that has participated has all felt it imagine how germany felt 60 million germans 80. imagine how six, sorry 80 minutes i'm there's 20 million that probably don't want watch football you know like Martin no Keown said, they all watch for reading books um oh, don't you, know, you bring uh, up books again <laughs> 
imagine imagine how they felt after being knocked out of the first round you know imagine how they felt when uh Neuer got the ball taken off him that moment when I the ball lovely. got booted up yeah for you <laughs> great that. absolutely but imagine those, those those germans back home how they felt difficult for us to feel that and know how they felt because we didn't go through those experiences but that is an amazing experience i spoke to a brazilian the other day at at, at, at um at work and she said like you know she was in tears at the end of this one because um and comparatively when they lost 7-1 to germany she wasn't she was just kind of dumbfounded and confused and obviously angry and annoyed but this time she was in tears she was sad she felt like brazil had really pushed hard and tried their hardest let's take nene out of the situation and think about the rest of the team they did they pushed hard they tried to get back into it so all the, these all these beautiful emotions are emotions that are encapsulated in the beauty of 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 the world cup you know it's just fantastic but you know? but you know what's you know what's different you know what's different for you as a portuguese fan as your friend mm. is a brazilian fan and those germans back home is they all have trophies to look at like <laughs> you can go look at your 2016 european championship brazil can look at their five world cups germany can go look at their four world cups Maybe it's because I'm also a Tottenham fan. Well. Mate, I don't, have anything, well. I don't have anything to look at. 66. I was, 66. No, no. I was born in 1982, mate. I was ah, born okay. in 1982. And in that time, Tottenham have won the FA Cup in 1991 when I was <laughs> nine. And two Worthington Cups, which don't count, mate. Sorry. Mate, I'm a Southampton fan. Think how I feel. Yeah, but, but, but you've got a European Championship. You've got that uh, from last year. Well, yes, you're right. That was, uh, that was, I, I did feel like I could die now, you know, like, like it's fine. I now. want to like, feel like that, mate. I want to be able to die. <laughs> I can't die, mate. I'm Christophe Lambert in that movie, The Highlander. I'm not allowed to die yet because I haven't got a trophy. Ah, oh, got the Rugby right. World Cup 2003. That's all I have. There you go, you know, and you got a couple of ashes under your belt as well. So, you yes. know, that's <laughs> cricket. Uh, all right. But, Okay, have have you had enough, Nazi, or do you want some more? <laughs> no, let's get on to it. Let's let's start let's start previewing the third, fourth playoff. I'm excited. <laughs> All right. All right, we'll come to, we'll come back after this short break. Harry. Where was Harry? Was he already on the plane with Ronaldo? If only England had Ronaldo. And maybe Messi. And Modric. And maybe Kante. Then, maybe, just maybe, I think they could have done it. And welcome back. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to part three of the Born Offside podcast. And uh, I'll ju- we'll just say uh, uh, right now, actually, that uh, I have to apologize for two two very quick things. First of all, uh, I lied when I said that we were actually coming back to preview uh, part three, uh, uh, sorry, preview the um, uh, third and fourth place, because uh, we're out of time. And we'll be doing that uh, on Saturday now instead, uh, the, the day before. Uh, and it makes more sense to be able to do so as well. And then we can also have a look at the final as well. 
And uh, the second thing I'd like to apologize for is my reference to Nazis there. Um, it, it was have you, the phrase, have you had enough Nazi? Do you want some more? For, for, for viewers that don't really know, and I, I went over this after, just during the break with Dave, he doesn't even know it either. So it's obviously before his time, which makes me show, shows me how old I am. Uh, it's a reference to the young ones, Google it, and uh, you will uh, be able to see what I was uh, referring to. So many apologies there. There was no uh, intention uh, to, uh, uh, to offend anyone in, in that sense. But for those of you that did get it, obviously you did get it, but for those of you you didn't, you probably thought, what? <laughs> probably thought what I thought, which is, why is he calling me a Nazi? <laughs> <laughs> Not calling anyone. I wouldn't. I did call someone a Nazi once, actually. <laughs> it was a, I was. It was in a nightclub. I was very drunk in Chelsea, and uh, it was. Uh, I was That's uh, how all of your anecdotes start. <laughs> Coming out of the pub, and like the guy was shutting shutting the pub like they do at closing hours, and I was very drunk, and I called him a Nazi, and uh, and then he chased me down the stairs. I remember running into the street away from him. Um, anyway, uh, <laughs> shall we leave, Gary? Yeah, my mate Gary will, will tell you about that. He was there. Um, all right. <laughs> all right. Thank you very much, uh, everybody, for listening. Thank you for, uh, for holding on and waiting. Uh, like I said, we had to let the dust, uh, uh, dust settle on this. Uh, England are out of the World Cup, sadly. Uh, so are Portugal uh, as well. And so are uh, Brazil. And so are France. Oh, no, no, France are not. Here we go. Germany. And mate, actually, England are not out of the World Cup, are we? We're, we're going into the third, fourth playoff. I wonder, but, I thought you might get that actually. But yeah, so yeah. what happens there, mate, then? Like, if we win that game, are we out? How can we be out if we've won? Oh, very good point. Because we, we even discussed this as well. Like, if you lose in the final, are you out? You're, you're out. out. Well, you're definitely, okay. if you lose in the final, you're out. You're like, out. <laughs> are we still in? Mate, do we oh, get bronze mate, medals? Oh, these are all questions <laughs> that we should answer next time. We have to go, mate. We've been doing this for more than an hour. Let's go. I think so. I think so. Let's do it. All right. Thank you once again for listening. We will see you next time. Bye.